That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Good things. Good things. Mazel, you two. Good things. Oh, my gosh. Your face when you did that. Bing. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm trying to fix this. It just oh, feels was, weird. It I feels weird. Nick was drilling holes and stuff and building stuff today. That's, that's that's my buddy. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. It's my capitan. Yeah, it, you know, it's not droopy anymore. Oh, what is it? Oh, oh. this? His? No, 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 yours. You had to. It, it was sad. I know it was sad. Oh. <laughs> I replaced the the mic thing for you. I saw mm-hmm. that. Oh, this one. Yeah. 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 It was it was the a little holder. droopy. But it is removable still. Yeah. <laughs> Look at how much beard Schmish hair. Morshman. Look how much beard and hair hair is like stuck to that thing. Beard and hair hair? Beard and hair hair. Better than sweaty ball hair. <laughs> Looks like... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So why are what? we here? What's wrong? Again. Intro. What are we doing? Intro. We don't do the intro out of the gate. We no, the we've been talking for like five minutes and I that know, was a good spot. This is the good stuff. This is it's the stuff. Now. We're going to start... This, this dude... Does not take direction. <laughs> I will tell you that. I know. Much. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Oh, but what? Yeah, taking direction means like when when El Capitan or our producer, our head producer. We don't have any other ones, but I like giving him that title. If he says now's a good time for an intro, you just say. Well, we did that Welcome. intro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not like what? Wall? Wall? Well, with the last the time and the on. last time when I did that, he was like not in the middle of a story. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he said okay, this one. was a good time. Okay, one. You're lucky you have a good voice for this. Yeah. <laughs> There's much else going on for you. That's, that's I think my, my levels are saving a lot grace. high, though. One, I wrote it on a whiteboard. Right. Yeah. I sat down. I put the the whiteboard over on my lap. Yeah. So and then he eyeballed like, the shit out of me. Table what, what's on the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And then he, I guess I looked at him in a funny way. And in the middle oh, of yeah. Tandy's stories, he goes, all right, I guess we're going to do the intro now. And he's like. <laughs> oh, okay. Because you looked at me and you were just. Palms. He was staring yeah, at me. Beautiful and he face palm. I didn't know I did that. He was, he was staring at me, and he didn't even blink. It was just like, <laughs> well, he was waiting. He was. He and was. Then this being, started you happening. You're supposed to be mind like, melded at this point. Yeah. No. We're yeah. We're like. We're getting, we're getting he has we're made a lot that. of progress. Yeah. Oh the first one was like, I don't know what we're doing. Oh my god! Here we go. Picking on Scott. Picking on Scott right off the rip. I like. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more uh, Scott on the first one, and you can see this when you watch the first one. And then the second one, like just night and day. But the first one, a little bit on the second one, and now he's gonna do it just you know for S's when and I came G's up now. with it. When I came but up he's with it, go, I just <laughs> when he gets nervous. When I when I came up with this original <laughs> concept. Busting on me was not included <laughs> hey, at all, that have at just all been, that in the just business have model. Just been intuitive that's that well, see you that. Just make it so easy. My point is, some of the best things come later. Like with Broken Helm, he did not decide to do podcasts originally. This was like no, the was last like thing on the on docket. Yeah, it was, it was literally the last. thing. And yeah. this is like yeah. the best thing for us, right? right. So maybe busting your balls. Sweaty ball. Here's the sweaty ball. <laughs> actually, the, actually, the feedback has been uh, from multiple people that one of their favorite things, besides the emphasizing with the guests, don't say mm-hmm. it. That which has been, uh, don't say it. Was you two and your relationship, which I, which I was fun, which was funny to me because you guys haven't really exhibited that at all. The only thing that I've seen you guys exhibit is they don't know him shit. <laughs> <laughs> that that and like the looks, I think, is yeah. what it is. Because yeah. if they're watching the video, he'll do something. I'll just be like, <laughs> Yeah, he eyeballs me a lot. What the? In the last and it's a, it's a full like 
facial expression of what the fuck are you doing? But I love it because it keeps me on my toes. You had no idea when I approached you in a parking lot. That sounds creepy as shit. Um, You had no idea when I approached you originally. We were talking and stuff, and uh, I'd explain to you what we were doing, and you're telling me what you did for a living, and I was like, you should come on our show, what you were getting yourself into. Well, I had a pretty good idea after I listened to the pilot. So. Oh, oh well, that I'm helps. Smart, I'm smart enough to do that. I do my homework. I do um, my research right. to figure out what kind of uh, show this is. I figured it out. I was like, cool. We're very, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to really like be on, you know, like some of the times like when I do these things, because right. I do these things often be like for a radio show mm-hmm. or something, you have to kind of be on. Right. And I'm always like focused on, oh goodness what i'm like what am i saying what if i say the wrong things what if i say a cuss word what if i you know all right. that stuff and yeah it's like oh this is just gonna be like people talking just like yeah this is <laughs> really just out. shooting the shit it's right. very it's very relaxed there's you don't yeah. have to be on anything like that yeah do you want I a came drink in from a conversation okay. no. i prefer not you know i don't no. do that today oh you don't do that today no. why is that why, it why just that? never lets anything very good for me really are you just like anti-drug or do you have issues with them what's going on anti-drug uh mm. for me anyway i'm not anti-drug for anybody else other than me people can do whatever they want okay <laughs> um, very good it just doesn't work me, out that well it just didn't work out so what well. did you you approached her in a parking lot Us too. Yeah. <laughs> i'm going back to this that doesn't sound creepy at all i know <laughs> no, creepy. but what did you say you're saying oh this i have a podcast uh, called the just for today cast no i actually um uh, well, yeah, the Just for Today cast. Actually, well, is that Je- what is that where we are right now? Yeah, is that what Gen- this is? Jennifer, are we doing um, the introduction now? We're trying to. Trying. What are we doing here? I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to think just out. do it. <laughs> yes, I approached. Um, I approached our uh, our guest today, Jennifer Manili. Look, you said it right. I said it right. I've been practicing all week. Oh, the first time did he say manly? (laughs) You know, I've had some people, they do interviews and they say it wrong. They're like, darn it, I practiced all week. And I was like, you were practicing wrong. You should have asked. (laughs) So you actually actually did it right. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I I approached our guest, uh, Jennifer Manili, in the parking lot after a 12-step program uh, that I was at. you were there too. I think I was. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to. <laughs> I'm like, okay, guys, look, I'm in recovery. Okay, cool. That's why you didn't want the joint or the drink. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay. I'm in recovery right. from substance abuse. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, so you're in good company. I know, just for today. Just for today. <laughs> just for today. Tomorrow. <laughs> Could be a whole nother story, whole but nother just story. for today. You could be banging lines out on this table. I could be. Not this I table. I totally would. Not, well, this, not table. this one. This, this one's, one's a little no, scary. No, you get stuck lines. in the holes. And yeah. yeah I mean, no. That's the reason. Better table. Yeah. That's the reason, yeah. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I approached, uh, yeah, Jennifer and I had actually attended a 12-step meeting, and I had, uh, I don't remember exactly how it like got started, but uh, we started talking afterwards, and Jennifer told uh, me a little bit about what she does for a living and what she's been involved in. Mm-hmm. And um, and I talked to her about uh, what we were doing here at Just for Today uh, on our podcast with uh, myself and with JP and with our producer Nick. There's uh, a pause there at the broke at the broken <laughs> at the Broken Helm Studios, Broken Helm Productions, um, and asked Neither. Jennifer if she would be willing to come on the show and share her experience and strength and hope with us. I would like to add that does. we are on the Broken Helm Network. Yes, the Broken Helm Network. Yeah. Why does it change every week? Yeah. You just pick a name and run with it. It's something, it's a debate I go in my head uh, that goes on in my head, and I think it just runs straight through. Nothing to do with no 
suffix. Or that well, that would be the proper umbrella corporation yes. thing. So, so, so it's broken helm, but but right now we're on the broken helm network. Yeah, I like that though. Yeah. There's a yeah. broken helm somewhere. I just get paid to talk. It is all uh, <laughs> uh, just a ship awry <laughs> at this point. I just yeah, this thing is like it. Literally, the helm is just spinning, <laughs> and the ship's going in circles. Yeah. And, no. <laughs> so no, so yeah, I'd approach Jennifer and we talked and everything. And so Jennifer, why don't you tell us? Um, just tell everybody, share a little bit about. You said you were yeah, yeah. So, sober and clean. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I have a little over twelve years. Uh, in recovery now and um, I guess you know I have a number one bestseller book out there because I do I know shameless self-promotion so so you're you got so you're a newbie in in recovery 12 years yeah I'm a total newbie I really still probably (laughs) trying to figure out the whole ass in the hole in the ground and all that (laughs) Um, no but I got I got my star I had it's called my my book is called dear parent strategies to help your loved one through addiction Mm -hmm. and it's basically based off of you know what kind of me and my mom went through and and I talk a lot uh, to other people and, you know, when I do interviews and I'm speaking in public, I always remind people that there's only ever really three ways that people generally get like off of drugs. And that's either inspired by the families, in spite of the families, or they die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like for, for me and my journey, it was very much inspired by my family. And so I really have made a mission of, having and and working with other family members specifically the parents that will be able to inspire their loved ones into recovery and so like I, you know i made a, a i kind of made my own business out of that really in terms of helping yeah because you know i kept uh running across people that really needed help and i kept trying to do everything for free. No. Okay. <laughs> Who does that? But All you know, right. like that whole, like, you know, bleeding heart, God, I just want to help everyone. And then yeah. what I kept running across was, is that the uh, people that I was trying to help, they weren't using me as much as they needed to, you know? So okay. like, yeah. they would call me, they give me like one phone call and these were, these were like corporate people, right? So they don't want to abuse my time necessarily. And and they were just asking for some guidance and help. And I'm like, look, use me as much as you need to. And, and you know, I, my background is corporate leadership, so it was very easy to talk to them. It was very easy to help them kind of navigate the substance abuse world and then, you know, how to apply it into language that they can really grab a hold of and understand. And then they could better help. But then, you know, they'd only ever do one or two phone calls because they didn't want to abuse my time and I'm so like, did you do like charts and say like first quarter first quarter <laughs> revenue and and decline it, <laughs> it's pretty similar yeah no, I could because I could always just have that like I always know the sequence of events when it comes to substance abuse it acts the same I'm sure that you can kind of tell a lot of like what someone is experiencing when they are using drugs and what's going to happen next and then what's going to happen and then and then what's going to happen what are their experiences okay. it's pretty much uh, it's it's the same across the board I mean everyone looks different in terms of what kind of drugs they're using you know that may be different but I think we have very shared experiences so you just that. you just work with the parents I just work with the parents okay what about yeah. the addict themselves the, the, I help the, the addicts well okay so 
because I'm in recovery, yeah. I actually give a lot of my time already right. to the addicts. I help them all the time. And like, that's part of my journey. That's part of my recovery is to give back, you know, what was given to me. And so I just didn't really ever feel like that would be a good business because I already right. did that. For yeah, free. That's like part of my stuff, right? Yeah, I don't I think, think there are course. people out there that, that you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a it's like a billion dollar industry. It's like a moral gray of, area yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. But, like, and I didn't want my whole career in life surrounded by helping. Like, where do the lines start getting blurred? And I just didn't want my whole life to be surrounded by helping addicts. Just the addict, yeah. Sure. Yeah, and there's like so many resources out there already available. Well, and you, I, I mean, doing 12-step work or working with addicts in, in the capacity of being a recovered addict is not something we're supposed to get paid for. Although but, there, there, I mean, are, there, there are some out there think, that, that yeah. find ways around that, but... And that's okay because I think that it's important to understand, you know, value in business and, and what how do you value your time? But for me, it was just... I really felt like who ended up suffering the most was the families while their loved ones was an addiction. I can't help the addict that's still in addiction, but I can help their families support the addicts that are still in addiction. So what was that like? What was that like the first time a family approached you, a mom or a dad or something like that? Um, how did that go down? It was, you know... I'm trying to think. It was quite a few years ago when I first had like <laughs> right. the first parents approach. I think I look for me, I was so grateful. Like that's how it went down was yeah. I was so grateful that they were willing to have that phone call with me because they just knew that they needed some guidance into a world that they didn't understand. And that's not it's not very commonplace for parents, I think, to reach out. Yeah. Um, but I think when they do, the rewards for them are amazing. Like, and their ability to really start understanding how to really help their loved ones. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I think for me, it was like, I'm so grateful because I know that they're going to be able to really help and support their what, loved ones. What did so. they, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, we've talked about when, when the first time someone reached out, but what really got a got you to write the when did you write the book at what point in your recovery did you write the book this, or after? the book was actually the book is actually pretty new okay okay well, so, when did you get the idea so for the it? idea yeah. um it, it was only like maybe a year ago okay yeah I so think 11 I, years I think in 11 years mm. in so i had like I, I and i think i needed all that time to really like marinate on stuff and i had been thinking about it and thinking about it and you know i got some help in terms of like okay i have this message I really want to put it in this world. And what do I want to say to someone that keeps struggling that may be too scared to reach out? You know, what do they need to know? The parents, right? The parents, okay. yeah. So, like, what do the parents really need to know that may be too scared to just pick up that phone? What kind of things? Scary. What kind of things specifically are the generally the parents ask you? Like, what are like the top three things? Like, if you've noticed, like, they always ask me this, they always ask me this, they always ask me that. Or is it random? Maybe, maybe it, not sounding it, so, like, about it. Was it a case-by-case case basis? It's so funny because I think the biggest questions that they have is they're still wondering if there's an addiction or not. 
Like, oh, like it, it, it's not, oh. A, yeah, they don't even. It's like they go through the things, and they're almost like telling me what their kid is doing. Okay. And they, it's like they want me to tell them that maybe there's nothing to be worried about. Like a little and denial it, type like in there. Like there's like a yeah. little bit of that, like denial mm. that says like. Well, I mean, I definitely see like substance abuse. I'm not really sure if it's really like an addiction, but you know, they're doing all of these things and, and, but they're hanging out with all these people, you know, they're hanging out. Um, uh, you know, the doctor a few years ago, he broke his leg and, uh, the doctor prescribed it and he's been really bad off ever since. So, Mm. you know, we kind of think that the doctor had something to do with. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's common. That. Yeah, I know, that. I know that. My like that remind. I mean, my mom in that scenario, if she mm-hmm. if she would have known this was out there, like uh, this has been a while that I've been. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just now six months clean, but my mom was in that denial stage, and mm-hmm. she definitely would have reached out to you like in a in a heartbeat. But my brother saw. It for what it is, he knew I had problems. He yeah. knew, like, he, he, he wasn't, he kept trying to tell my mom, like, JP's messed up. We got to get him some help. And she, she was always, no, well, he's just going through a tough time. And, yeah. and, you know, with my injury from the Marines. So she knows, same thing with right. the, with the, the doctor, yeah. like, the Marines did it to him. And, and mm-hmm. I'm just feeding her all this bullshit. Oh, yeah. To, to, to get her off my back. And I've done, I did that story after story of reason after reason, and it kind of just helped her stay in that shade, that bubble. But finally, when I got arrested, my so, brother said, no, I'm, I'm taking, because my dad passed away a few years ago, right. but, but my brother said, no, we're doing it my way now. Yeah. And if she had had access to the book, I mean, I'm sure she would have just completely mm-hmm. gone over that now obviously i'm not saying you wrote it too late yeah. well no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yep. but i think that's the point is mm-hmm. it's like there's so many people like your mother that are out there that are really questioning you know down from the time when um their kid was in high school and maybe they had just found you know a little bit of pot in their book bags yeah you know like who carries pot in their book bag ra- well you know like teenagers Hold on, let me. Teenagers are dumb. Right. No one. I didn't. (laughs) I I didn't carry my book bag. I didn't. You didn't probably go to school. Yeah. (laughs) I carried it in the dugout. He he was that. He was that guy that was like. I didn't go to school. Of course I went to school. He was that guy that didn't study but yet still made an A on the exam. And I drank and I drank and drugged my way all through. He was the curve killer that everybody hated. So he didn't feel like he fit in. So that's what made him go to drugs. Too smart for all these people. I got to dummy down a little bit. Start doing all these drugs. Right. <laughs> so, so how do you break those parents out of that? Like, uh, I mean, does it does it really go two ways? Well, well, for you know, uh, for enough money, I'll tell you, your kid doesn't have a problem. No, I'm just teasing. No, um, well, here's the, here's the thing. Like sometimes, like how do you break that bubble? How do you yeah. break them out of that? Like to get them to see the reality of the situation. You know, when how do you we have a them? really hard. We I, and I do, and and I don't think that I am for everyone because I don't think a lot of people can accept always what i'm saying and that's okay okay um i i don't know that i would say that i break anyone out of their denial because they kind of again have to break i can tell them the truth sure and i can lay it all out for them i can tell them what's going to happen and they kind of have to break themselves out now there are different ways in which i'll I'll tell them how like what's really going on i always kind of have a 
blanket thing of saying like, hey, you really only know about 10% of what's actually happening in your kid's life, Mm. you know? And it's like, so whatever you know now, there's like 90% that you don't know. And if that doesn't scare you, then it should. Right. (laughs) Even if they don't have a problem. You know, to this day, yeah. yeah, To this day, my, my mom still doesn't know like everything that happened. And we're getting more and more open. It's not even because I'm hiding anything from her anymore. Okay. But it's kind of like she just doesn't, she didn't know. She didn't know then. I didn't ever fill her in on every single gory detail of my addiction. She only ever got to know like one, like a tenth, a tenth of, and she just always knew something was going on. Now, speaking of your mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom helped you, or she wrote a section of the book. She did. She wrote um, my, what is the introduction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the foreword. She wrote my foreword. I asked her to to write that. Because, you know, we spent actually two years working together before I started embarking into my own business, which we got to really uncover uh, a lot of our own story, a lot of our own patterns. We got to get through some really hard stuff in, in our own relationship yeah. of things that happened when I was a kid and things that we got to kind of really sit down and talk about so we could have our healing journey, which we've been working on for quite a few years, our own journey together Okay. in terms of um, the damage that was caused yeah. Both, I mean, from the whole growing up, because I mean, you know, sh- my mom is not the same person that raised me, and that's good. <laughs> you, hmm, you know, let's let's so talk more about that. The, yeah. So, you know, I have a chapter in my book. Oh man, people will laugh because they're like, I cannot imagine calling my mom a raging bitch. Yeah. But I have a chapter in my book that is it's called, called a rage. The, my mom the raging my mom the bitch. raging bitch yes. <laughs> it's scary but so that's how transparent we are in our relationship now of going mom you were crazy yeah like, and in in the best way because she was this she was a single mother she oh. had a big corporate job she was a senior vp at a very one of the largest banks in america oh. and she was doing some really big things and the, the fact is, is it's kind of like she we'll was mention trying. that bank if she want if they want to sponsor the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll, we'll mention that bank. Not now though. Don't not say now. It. Okay. Don't no. say the name of that bank. I was like, no, 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 don't say the name of the bank. Right. But it was, you know, is it, it? She had a big. She had a big job, and she was trying to provide me the very best. I never wanted for anything. Yeah. You know, she. I like I went to private school, uh, you know, when I was uh, I, I don't know, like I was 16. Now, you know, my granddad, he 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 bought me a car, but he wanted me in a safe car. So he got okay. me, you know, so I never I grew up not really wanting anything. And it was amazing. And yet you still found your way into was, addiction. Yeah, I grew up though as a single. I mean, I could have come up with all sorts of reasons as to why I grew up to be your, an addict. Does it, it really run in your doesn't. family? I you have any like the I do. Um, I don't want to get into too much of there, but I do. Sure. It, it doesn't run deep. Names. It doesn't, doesn't run, run deep. deep. Okay. Um, I it, for me, it was like I was the only one at the time. Okay. You know, and so that was really hard for me to accept and feel like a member of the family because they were all big, successful people doing really amazing things, sure. and I felt like I just could never really come into my own or live up 
to their expectations or mm. I didn't feel like I was smart enough or any of that because my mom is like wicked smart and okay. and I'm do you guys <laughs> you guys from Massachusetts wicked smart wicked smart she's wicked smart no uh, we're from Texas actually oh, oh. <laughs> okay did not yeah, expect that no no we're from Texas so um you know, I just didn't ever really feel like I could live up to their expectations. And, you know, I spent a lot of time on, on my own growing up because she was the only, you know, she raised me as a single mother sure. for many, many years since I was like 13. Okay. Um, and so it was just me and her, but she was so busy. I was going to ask. Giving if, me the best life. Yeah, I was going to ask if there's a lot of parental supervision, a lot of involvement in your life, or do you pretty much all just kind of do your own thing? She was always there for me. She really was. So, um, you know, I'd go to the daycares after school, but she was always there to pick me up from work. She never let work get in her way of picking me up. She turned down a lot of really great opportunities because she didn't want to move me around too much. So it was like she really did a lot of really right things by me. But at the time... It, but that you know, like when you're a kid, you just yeah. your perceptions of reality and how you perceive in, information. I think that was really where I got some like crosswired. Yeah. And it was more of like my little kid perception of what reality was. I look back and I'm like, man, my mom was great. But at the time, it was like it was just a struggle. It was always just a struggle for me. I was the shy kid that. Kid it, behind mommy's leg. Is that where you came up with the, my mom the raging bitch? Was that during your teenage years and stuff like that, or was that later on? She, you know, she, I, the women in our family have a tendency to be rageful. Okay. They just a lot of anger. So when I was a kid, she would rage out. Sometimes it would be at me, mm-hmm. and sometimes she would get mad and just rage out. But as a little kid, it was always about me. Okay. Yeah, my mom was the, like, almost exactly the same way where she did she did the best she could and my my dad my dad was around but he also worked in corporate america but he traveled a lot with it so a lot a lot of times it was just my mom and my brother and me Mm -hmm. and i was actually at that time the the golden child so to speak and my brother was the 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 black sheep he was the one that everything they'd so i just had observations of this he was always in a fight with her and they were just bare knuckle boxing almost right and i i remember just the overbearingness of my mom to him like uh you remember the outcast the the band mm-hmm. yeah yeah, oh, yeah. The, on the cover of their or the actual their cd was um it was a naked woman but it was an artist rendition of it mm-hmm. my mom knew he was on something she never had this that that cloud of denial like right. for for she did for me, <laughs> I could get away with anything. But everything he did, she he was suspect, and right. so she went and searched through his CDs, found him, saw a naked lady on it because she's like super Southern Baptist, <laughs> and had like uh, roofing shears. I don't know why she got roofing shears. Don't don't ask me. But she just <laughs> cut like all his statement? CDs. Yeah, she went overboard, just <laughs> breaking oh them. And he, and he had hundreds of dollars. This is back when like FYE and all that stuff was, was still there. Yeah. 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 You had to get, oh man. So that overbearingness, and mm-hmm. I mean, I witnessed firsthand how he can perceive her as that. And they still have issues that they're ironing out. So... Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I witnessed oh, all that. Yeah. But now in my recovery, because I fell off after my dad passed, mm. I'm seeing that side of her. Yeah. And it's gotten a lot better. Like you said, like 
it's crazy what you see when you get back there. Yeah. So no, so it's this. So it sounds like the relationship really wasn't that tumultuous starting out as a teenager with your mom and everything, and and she probably had no idea of the of the foundation or the groundwork that was getting well, laid. Well, no, how could you ever know that, right? right? Like you don't ever know what your actions today are going to lead to in years from now, mm-hmm. right? How like, did that progress? Like like so, you graduate high school and you yeah. Went, did you go to college? I did. I okay. did. It. You Where'd know, you go? my first year, I went to Barton College. Barton. It's out okay. in Wilson. Barton. Okay. Barton. Yeah. Okay. Barton. <laughs> Yeah, that was my first attempt at college. There you go. Okay. I didn't make it through my first year. You know, I... I Is that partying? It was partying, yeah. You and my brother are a lot alike, Man, actually. Like, okay. just partied up because, you know, I, I, I didn't really have too much of a social life when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So my mom really, I'll be honest, my mom intimidated the hell out of me. Okay. She was a very scary woman. She, I mean, she just gives you these, I call it mom face. Yeah, um, face. Well, she has to be to be in corporate you, America. But like, okay, you the, so remember, right, so do the mom face. man, I don't even know if I could do it, man. I, and I hate to scare y'all, right? <laughs> okay. So y'all be like falling off do your chair. Going, okay, do the mom face. No. <laughs> no, I just, I just hate to make y'all cry, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't happen that often. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jen. We won't be. We'll change the subject. I won't do it again. <laughs> no, she, you know, she just through high school, she it just she scared the the crap out of me. You know, she was this really strong woman she had to be to be in corporate America in the Mm -hmm. 90s oh yeah it was very male driven and she was right up there with everyone else so it's just she that she just has that personality she's you know very strong she's still strong but now she's a lot like more she's just she's not raging they get laid back at (laughs) certain point maybe it's retirement (laughs) I don't know sometimes she did a lot of work on herself I give her that I mean like a lot of work I remember herself (laughs) my mom saying that I needed to go to therapy like when she was starting to see there was a problem, right. she was like, you need to talk to someone because I really did not handle my dad's passing well at all. Yeah. And I'm still dealing with that. And oh, I was yeah, like I'll, seven years will, ago. Yeah. But she kept saying, you know, I was like, well, I'll go to therapy and you go to therapy. Like you need to. <laughs> of course, I was three sheets, you know, and all oh, that. Yeah. But, but now in recovery, in my recovery, she's doing therapy. And yeah. she's like, man, I should have listened to you. I was like, while I was high? Oh, that's the first. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, my mother, <laughs> did, really, my mom actually said, my mom really cut to the crux of the problem um, when I was a young adult. I think it was about 19 or 20. It's been right before I went overseas in the military. I was home on leave, and I remember being in her living room, and she looked at me, and she, I, I don't even know what was, I can't to this day recall what transpired and everything, but she looked at me, and she goes, I mean, just with all seriousness. I mean, so much that it made an impact, like, on me. I still remember to this day. And she looked at me and she said, you are the most selfish, self-centered person mm. I've ever met in my entire life. Now, she wasn't like, my mom didn't grow up wealthy or she wasn't well-traveled and, or anything like that. But um, she she really nailed it. I mean, you know, because the literature tells us that selfishness and self-centeredness, yeah. is the that's the root of our trouble. And Absolutely. she really nailed it for me. She was like, my mom would like... She had it pegged. I don't know if she knew I was an alcoholic and an addict right. back then, but she, she, I mean, that, she's like, yeah, you're, yeah, that you're pretty much well nailed it right selfish. there. Yeah, yeah. My, mom, my mom was like massively anti-drug in every way, shape, or form. I was yeah. sharing this with somebody last night. Um, Is she still? She's she's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I didn't know that. No, it's fine. So she's not. And no, no, no. <laughs> she's not anti-drug at the moment. I don't not know. now. She might be on a cloud. I don't know. She might be in a cloud somewhere, you know, smoking a bong with St. Peter. Hey, man. I mean, no, no. No judgment. But, you know, no. Wait, no, there is judgment. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that comes before. 
<laughs> like comes before you get on the cloud. But no, she was very anti-drugs. I mean, she used to tell me for years, you know, if I, I ever catch you doing drugs, I will write you out mm. of the will. She, she didn't have any money. Like, right. you it's know, still we a didn't threat. have any money growing up as a kid. But it's it was still like, oh, the will. Like, uh, yeah. you yeah. know, and it, it, ironically enough, subsequently, um, when I, uh, I was overseas for the first Gulf War and she got her, uh, she got breast cancer. I went through that uh, in Michigan that went into remission. Um, and then she ultimately uh, expired uh, a few decades later as a result of a uh, second round of breast cancer that mm. metastasized through her whole entire body. Mm. And uh, we've actually got, uh, rather interestingly enough, uh, uses, we've got a, um, got a young lady who's going to be coming on in the future, too, who works uh, up at Mission Hospital in the cancer ward up there and has lost her father to, um, her and her sister lost their father to cancer. So she's going to be, uh, her name is April, and she's going to be a guest uh, coming oh. up and share some of her experience and how she's recovered from the death of a father. And yeah. I think she brings a unique perspective because not only has she gone through it personally in her family, she gets to see it every day. And I didn't get to see it the first time, but I was there for the second one. Ironically enough, between the first round of cancer and when I got out of the service, um, my mom started using marijuana. <laughs> to uh, deal with the nausea from the chemotherapy and the radiation oh, yeah. and whatever else yeah. and never put it down when the cancer went away. And, no. and there were many times like my mom and I would sit around and watch Red Wings hockey mm. and smoke a bowl oh. and just be like, oh, let's go get Chinese food. <laughs> you know, or just, oh, well, we'd rage, oh, let's go buy imagine. some brownies. My mom was, she was, she was always good. My mom was a great lady to smoke pot. Oh, man. I was yeah. Not, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I've she wasn't never an addict. seen my mom. She wasn't. No. Yeah, your mom's never done drugs. Never done drugs. I've never seen her drunk either. Does she want to? I know a guy. <laughs> I think we, we all know a guy. We all know a guy. I still yeah. know what neighborhoods to go into. Uh, okay. well, of course you know we do. Yeah. If you wanted to, yeah. you I could. can walk down yeah. the street. Yeah. It's still great, but you know, yeah. I don't she's look never like done it, drugs. Does she drink? She's well. I won't say she's never done drugs. You okay. know, we don't talk much about it. I think mm -hmm. I think she's hinted at the idea that maybe maybe not uh, <laughs> earlier she. I don't want to rat like, her out too much. She's totally going to yeah. listen to this <laughs> at some point. Oh, she is oh, sorry, yeah. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she's hinted. Uh, she did used to drink, like, beer and stuff before I was born. But I think, you know, when I was born, all of that stuff just kind of, you know, huh? pretty much went away. Okay. Yeah. She People didn't just like, that. yeah, I don't understand. Give them sufficient enough reason? I, I know. I don't understand yeah. that that kind of thinking. But, yeah, you know, like, I was born, and, and I've never seen her drunk. I've... Obviously, never seen her on any sort of drugs or anything like that. So, well, you said um, you mentioned something earlier. You said that your mom have spent a, you and your mom spent about two years involved in this process. Mm. Did you mean that you spent your mom spent two years following or, or practicing the business model about helping Fortune 500, or not Fortune mm. 500, but corporate America parents deal with that? Or do you yeah, mean yeah. that you and your mom spent two years, you mm. guys working on your rebuilding your relationship? So we, um, she has an executive coaching leadership business. Okay. So she's an executive leadership coach. She okay. works a lot with the Fortune 500. That's how I kind of, you know, got a little bit in terms of having these people come to me is because she kept running into people through her leadership development and yeah. you know like sometimes there's a huge block in their work work life when their life their personal life is really getting in the way and mm -hmm. they have a hard time um breaking through and she experienced it herself so she went through corporate leadership yeah. training when i was getting like going through my addiction and yeah. stuff and so what ended up happening was through her corporate leadership training through her company and self-awareness training what 
she ended up just getting help for herself in her personal life and me, which often translates into the career. Right. Um, so she did a lot of self-awareness stuff for her business, which ended up helping me. Okay. So I worked two years with her in her business, believe it or not. Can you believe that my mom trusted me enough <laughs> to, to work in her business? But, well, I, but I how, how much did that, did that, benefit you it was amazing. in your recovery because oh, man, we talk so amazing yeah we talk about how in early recovery especially people don't want to give us a chance a lot on, on things so that i mean i'm just saying if i were in your shoes like that would blow me it away was, it was so good for me like i had another job before i was actually a manager at uh we'll call it a restaurant uh, I mean, so I got into restaurants. We'll call it a restaurant. Was it like bad food? Was it a taco truck? It was a, it's a great thing. I got straight into management, <laughs> into a management career oh, nice. right, after, oh. right out of college. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good. When, sure. I went, when I went back to college and actually succeeded after Where all was the that? drugs. Uh, UNCA, actually. I graduated from UNCA. Okay, so you, you went back to college, UNCA. I went back okay. to college yeah. after I... After my addiction. Your active streak, we'll say. Yeah, in yeah. recovery. How bad was oh, that? Oh, so you were already in recovery. I was in recovery when okay. I went back to college. Right. I couldn't but, do it. <laughs> but before that, no. how bad did it get? Yeah, how bad your, your addiction? addiction like, Because yeah. you mentioned, you said your mom actually, can you imagine my mom let me come to work in my business? I mean, so how, how bad did you get I think I'll just, I just put it blatantly is, sure. is I like actually that. I know no, right please, I was no, I no, ended sh- up I was stop sugarcoated please <laughs> just coat okay. that shit well I did drugs no <laughs> <laughs> I did some drugs there you go <laughs> did some stuff um, marijuana you know no yeah. I was I was actually shooting heroin and cocaine and you know running through my them. girl yeah. I'm gonna high five you like you because uh, because I, I feel right? that yeah, yeah. well you know you had to have both not condone that. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, like, we're that's the red badge of courage for <laughs> me. You know, yes, you know, that's what we meant. Yeah, yeah. like when yeah. when you have that kind of kinship with someone else, you really understand the the struggle. But it's like you know, you kind of had to do both of them together because if you didn't, you often like ended up. Oh, not OD now. Or, yeah. yeah, so it was like one was to start the heart, one kind of slowed it down. Right. Yeah. You know, and it was yeah. just like this, this battle of... It was, of like, it was just like morphine and adrenaline back yeah. in the day. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you said kinship, yeah, like kinship good, but like <laughs> the one kinship you should not practice if you're an IV drug user no. is don't no. share needles. Do not, don't, no. don't, don't do Please. that. We didn't sound like we said that, though. No, no, right? no. no. It, no don't <laughs> do that. Make it sure. Yeah, don't do that. Can we just talk about the clicks in recovery? Yeah. Now, can we like, please like like hone that in a little yeah, bit? Because yeah, I'm down. Like, let me tell you, recovery we do we definitely kind of like gravitate toward, and it's so weird. We won't even know what drugs like we were on, but it's almost like an energy where we gravitate to the people that were often like using the same the same yeah we yeah. were doing. And then Dude. you find out later, you're like, man, we were all doing, man, we all kind of knew the same people or whatever, yeah. you know. So it's like kind of like the meth heads kind of hang out with the meth heads. I, yeah. I don't know if I should say that. You but can. The you people can that, that used to use meth. Yeah. Former meth heads? The former meth There we go. <laughs> you know, like... They, recovering meth The methods. recovering meth You know, they yeah. kind of gravitate towards each other. Right. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the people that use needles kind of gravitate towards each other because there's a certain, you know, it's, thing it's about like the aura. way you used it. You know, yeah. whether you were smoking it or drinking it or and And it all, it, it all affects yeah. you differently, too. And, and, and I honestly believe, like, what you're saying is... is like even we're still dealing with residuals oh, from yeah. how we did it. Yeah. So I think oh, yeah. like when someone did more uppers, 
<laughs> they're going to still be like, but only that. How does I'm that saying, go? But the, what are <laughs> I'm going to look for that in the meeting because those will be the group I need to hang out with. He's, oh, we have, we have Scott, Sean. He's right. imitating no, you. Is you know, <laughs> shut up. Well, yes, I, down the street doing I wasn't, I I wasn't mean, messing with you. No. I saw a guy at a gas station the other night. Yeah. He's like, that was not me. There's a song. There's I was not at the gas station. Yeah. But I can relate to that guy. I'd walk up and be like, hmm. Yeah. Hey, can I get a click? We have our twitchy mannerism thing along with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's a big joke. This is definitely. If you're watching the cast, don't do it. There's a joke. Here we go. All right, so there's 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 two there's there's two different types of twelve step programs. Mm-hmm. One centered basically on on the use of alcohol, mm-hmm. and the other one yeah. of all narcotics. Right. Um, how do you uh, people that clap at the one that's centered around alcohol? It's more like this when they're first going. The, hey. Right. It's like the snap. Yeah. Hey man, yeah, do you know how they do it? The IV users do it. We clap. See that one coming. See, I just thought it was going to be a whole lot more dramatic because no. you know we are yeah. so much more dramatic of people. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, good job. Oh, yeah. good job. <laughs> do you uh, do you I identify that, yeah. as an alcoholic, or are you um, just a, an addict? You, you know, here's the thing: is, you ever had a problem drinking? You, you know, I, or I should say, putting it down. I think it, it depends on like uh, you know which which meeting I'm sitting in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. brings it out. It's uh, right. your surroundings. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'll say I you know I I. I guess I identify as an addict. If I'm in, you know, another place, I may identify a little bit differently. Sure. Um, okay. But, you know, I think it's interesting when we start looking at how we identify. And I think that there's a big difference between identifying and then an identity. Yeah. And I think sometimes people confuse it. And I don't really, like, have an identity around either one of them, to be honest with you. It's well, just more of a language thing at this point. Well, if you've been doing this thing for 12 years now, right? About 12 years? Right, yeah. Yeah. So you... Should have in. Have you worked? Do you have a sponsor? Yes. <laughs> I, I, yes. I'm not going to assume. No. Yeah, I talked to her for like an hour and a half today. It was awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Have you worked the 12 steps of a recovery program? Uh, a few times, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, had a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what? The only reason why I mentioned this is because of, you brought up identity. And yeah, so, as a result of right. that, there should be a different identity than the one you came in here. Yeah, I mean, has your mom yeah. been able to see that? Like, there's been a, yeah, a change in your absolute, character and your nature? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. How she feel about that? Was, I think she's pretty happy that she doesn't. She really, genuinely doesn't have to worry about me. Like I grew up my You're whole here, life. <laughs> she might need to she, worry. Not like well, what she you worries doing about me with as those a mom guys. would worry about anybody. Right. right? That never so, goes away. Never. Right. Yeah. So, so if I don't answer her phone calls, yeah. you know, if maybe I'm, if it's been long enough, her little mommy brain kind of kicks in, and she, mm-hmm. hey, I need you to call me, and she go, okay. My mom brain kicked in, and I was like, it's totally cool. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But so that still kicks in because she's will always be my mom. Right. Well, is that is but that a result doesn't... of, like, something bad that she played a part or witnessed in or something? Like, did, was there something specific you can think of in your addiction or, or using before you came into the program that, like, maybe your mom got a phone call and she had to go to the uh, police not... station or she had to pick no. you up at a dope house or, mm-hmm. hey, mom, I've, you know... I don't know, done something, and your mom got dragged into your world for just like periodically, like. No, she never got dragged into per se my world. She didn't okay. you like, but uh, she never really got like a phone bug. But I did have a habit of not calling her. But mm-hmm. I, I also think that at this point today, it really genuinely is just, just like mom. it's just the mom brain. Like, yeah. you know, we talk just about every day okay. um, because that's just. 
it's weird when we go two or three days. Now, it used mm. to not be like that, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of live in one of her her houses and we see each other every day. We, like I said, we work together. Yeah. Um, and so for like two years, it was a daily thing. So when she, when I don't respond to her emails or calls because maybe I'm out of pocket, she kind of just gets that little it, uh, Yeah, the, it the builds, worry thing it builds. going. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, you said you didn't call or you, you, you kind of you kind of went went when you were in active view. She went kind of out of comms. I was so high. I couldn't talk you, to my mom. I, oh, so <laughs> that or did you disappear sometimes like did, off no, with people? No, just, I just like she would call me and I'm like, well, I can't talk to you. I'm too high. <laughs> did you, did so you to her, I would disappear for like days. Cause uh, I, but I, I knew where I was. Of course. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. I, you know, I didn't feel like I disappeared because I knew where I was. Did you ever have a time but, where you felt like, oh, my God, I really should call my mom right now. This is really bad. Yeah, usually when she threatened to call the state police, because she would like leave messages and go like, "If I don't hear from you, I'm gonna call the state troopers," and then I knew I needed to call did you, her. Did, mom. You, did she ever do that? Did she ever call? No, she no. never called because I always called and I tried to just pull it all together, you know, for mm-hmm. the five minutes to calm her down and convince her that everything was okay. I'd come up with some soft story of why I didn't call her. Was you know, everything okay? And, was everyone okay? <laughs> no, was everything okay back then? No. Well, no. where were you Where were you when you would call? Would you be like, do, all right, I mean, me, said, I, was, said, yeah, I, mean, I was gone. Like, I was in living in my car for two years, and and she literally knew, n- did not have any, any idea where I was. No, she did you do it at home? Did you do I it did at it in my apartment. Yeah, okay. we lived so in different states. Oh, okay. that's where okay. it comes. Yeah. So, ah, so gotcha. we were living in different states. I kind of had moved on yeah. a little bit from my life. And okay. so it wasn't like totally weird that we didn't talk every day. Right. But when she was trying to call me and I just never returned her phone call because I was way too high. Yeah. And it, like she'd have to threaten because then she'd get worried. Just yeah. as a mom, she didn't know I was like shooting cocaine at no. the time. Right. But it was just, she was just worried. But mom triggers she in. Knew, with, yeah. yeah, but she knew something was going on. Right. And even when she would talk to me, she mom would sense. see me. She's like sounds not right you know she saw me like when i was really bad off i had lost a bunch of weight um like i i'm 160 right now i know women don't talk about lower weight but i don't really care about that stuff but i'm 160 right now and like at some points you know she saw me and i was weighing like at 110 and then i went into rehab the second time at 107 and it was like you know she saw that and they know. Like she has to know but she gets so consumed in denial like yeah they everyone around convinces themselves that things are okay so you mentioned the Wait. denial and that that's like a thing and we've talked about it, but what are what are like the five areas because we i'm going right, back to the book yeah. like what are the five areas that parents make mistakes yeah so in my in my book i have like i laid out the five big areas in which parents can really focus in on to help themselves and the first one is denial yeah, and, we, okay. you talked yeah, about that. Yeah, and the second one is that financial stuff. And the financial stuff is a whole lot different than like just giving them money. It goes so much deeper than yeah. just handing them money. You know, mm-hmm. I go into the book about all the different conversions. You're giving them gifts that aren't money, but let me tell you, we are creative at yep. oh, we'll sell that shit to dope man real quick. into cash. <laughs> Ray Ray I even laid out, that. it's like, let me tell you, I, and I just put it, I put it right out there. I'm like, gift cards, hmm. 50% of value yeah. on the street. Yep. Yep. That's generally what you're going to get. So if you're giving them a gift card, which my, my family ended up giving me a lot of gift cards, yep. it's 50% of the value for cash. Okay. Sometimes yeah. less. I've known people more. sell their EBT 
Yeah. EBT. So, so, you know, there's all kinds of different ways. And I always think about like, even the money that you spend getting them help. So the rehabs that you're spending money at, yes, you know, it's kind of like there's some, there's a difference between people spending money on their kids to get mm-hmm. help and then investing in their future. Okay. And okay. when you invest in something, you expect kind of want to return. So maybe sometimes when you put a kid in a rehab before they're ready, you're kind of just spending money. Yeah. Frivolously. You're not investing in no. their future. You're just spending money if you put them in. And I'd like to say this because I think this is a huge danger. When you put kids into rehab before they are ready, it's yeah. dangerous. Yes. To whom? Yes. It's to whom? so to the addict because this is what happens. They go into rehab. They have a certain amount of tolerance they have built up. Yep. Yeah. They're not ready to go, but they re- get forced into it. And so as soon as they get out of that 30, 45-day rehab, they go right back to the amount of drugs that they were accustomed to using, but their tolerances have gone down and oftentimes they end up in a hospital or yeah. they die. Yeah. And that's really scary. And I hate to just say it like that, but that's what happens. That's it. Oh yeah. And it's like, it's dangerous when you try to put a person into rehabs before they are ready. What, so how do you help the parents figure out when they're ready? There's, the you know, sometimes there's just signs. It's like, just because someone says that they're ready, like what if that? you're pushing them and they feel obligated, if you're hanging things over their head, or just to head, shut them up, or just to shut them yeah. up, versus when there's a true desperation, if yeah. there's a true responsibility. I look for if they are trying to start taking some responsibility for their lives. Yeah. At that point, it's like not that it's a guarantee. Mm-hmm. But it is like a good indicator that you're investing into their future. Now, investments sometimes you don't always get the return. Right. You know, I mean, you're it's, no matter what you're investing, and you hope you get a return. But it's like a high risk investment. It's a high risk investment. I would imagine that way. a parent was would probably, if you look at it from that standpoint, and you're dealing with with uh, corporate America, mm-hmm. people that have a certain they're in a certain income bracket and everything yeah. like that, they're probably return focused because they probably take a portion of their income There's and, and invest think, it yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then yeah. when it, I would imagine that what the parents want to have returned to them is hopefully their child back. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, money doesn't fix their problems. No. So they can, they can invest large sums of money and never see a return. Yeah. You know, that's it's, the truth. it's funny. You mentioned like when you asked, when, when Scott asked how, you know, when they're ready, mm-hmm. um, and I talked about my mom being in that 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 denial bubble, but my arrest really, really fucked that up. Yeah, <laughs> right? I was like, "Damn, yeah. I'm not getting away with it anymore." <laughs> um, I, I mean, I spent days in jail because they were they were thinking that it was the best thing for me to detox in jail, which was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got out, and of course, I went straight back to because uh, I have a friend bailed me out, but I went straight back to the to the dealer's house, mm. got my fix, but then they. They had me meet with this uh, military liaison at the uh, the Haywood County Department of Corrections. So they have this this military liaison that helps uh, veterans, and mm-hmm. he was kind of helping me pick which program to go to because he right. at the time he said this will help you with the court. So right. I went to to rehab at the at the VA at the, the yeah. SART program. SART program. And this is where Scott and I met, but I went there with the the intention of 
just getting out of trouble. Right. But about two days into it, I think that was uh, the first time you and I talked was about the day that it clicked for me. I had that effect. <laughs> and oh, I think, man. no, no, no. I it, make people it, click. Don't, 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 don't get that head big, buddy, because it clicked before. That's why I talked to you. <laughs> I wasn't talking to anybody the first two days. Yeah. But then I said, I'm not uh, to myself. I'm not doing this to get out of trouble. Right. I'm doing this for me now because the, yeah. the, there's the switch. Right. And I was lucky because that's my first time through any program. Right. When were you ready? Right. When were you ready? Oh, when were you ready? I'm going to go through the last three, and then I'm going to tell you when we're ready. Because okay. I don't want to lose that. So I did the financial, the good parent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, sure. Right, right. Yeah. So the good parent syndrome, mm-hmm. the boundaries. What is, what is the good parent syndrome? It's that rescue mode. It's that always swooping them in and taking care of all their problems and cleaning right. up after their messes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moving them around and, you know, all that stuff. And then, and then we go into the boundaries. A lot of times parents just don't know how to set good boundaries when it comes to someone with substance abuse. Okay. The way you form it, the way you language it, it's very important. Right. You know, it's like, well... If you set your boundaries right, they never get crossed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. you know, pretty... you gotta you gotta know how to set your boundaries first. So okay, so that's that's what, an art. That's, that's a third the, one. That's the fourth, that's the fourth one. one. What's yeah, the fourth one? Yeah, and then the fifth one, the one is focusing on their own guilt and shame. Parent guilt is huge, 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 because it will feed into their decision making. Shame. You actually have huge. a chapter in the book about that too, I called do. guilt and shame. Guilt yeah. and shame. Mm-hmm. It's a big one because it feeds into a lot of the decisions that are being made, and you won't. You're very unconscious about. It, but you're acting out from a place of. Do you try to get the parents to actually work on the guilt and shame, like yep. at the beginning, or once the the child's actually like, okay, now they're pursuing a course of recovery. Now let's look at your guilt and shame. Um, it, or does it really matter? Does it depend on? It, it really depends. Individual situation. It's, it's an individual situation, depending on how ready they are to really, you know, hear or deal with some of that stuff. But it can really, really influence the way they handle. Okay their their kids in a in the positive way if they're ready mm-hmm. to kind of face some of that stuff and like let's let's really take a look at it so it's not impacting your decision and so when can, were you re- like like when yeah you so ready? When, when was i ready yeah. um you know i you know it took a long time so i went to rehab the first time i don't think i was ready but i just it was obviously I was not ki- i know <laughs> I, like i was getting kicked out once. of the house and, yeah and you know the choice was rehab or go live in a car and I'm like, well, that's an easy choice. I don't, I don't know if I even considered myself an addict. Yeah. Right at that point, you're just like, oh, I can quit for a couple of days. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really see. So the first time didn't stick. It didn't stick. I stayed clean for like two years though. Really? Yeah. White yeah. knuckling it? Uh, no, I was in recovery, man. Oh. Like I, yeah, you doing the, the deal? I, I did deal, did the program, but but I think the thing sponsored that I, women. I miss. I did. I sponsored a lot of women. What the fuck happened? You probably let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get there, buddy. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you are, you are is, definitely a unicorn. Right. These, these are yeah. how these yeah. things work, okay? Like, I, I'm no one, I'm, I'm, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I know, he called you, he, uh, by the way, <laughs> Nick called you a unicorn. Yeah, you're an absolute unicorn. Uh, really? I, I, did, I did two years sober, but I wasn't working a program, and it was a nightmare. No. But I've, I've never heard of someone out the bat doing, a two, doing two years with program. Yeah, well, it was, it was a year and a half. Huh. The last six months of the two years, it was not the program. But what was it? The year and a half that I did, it really was. Like, I was sponsoring women. I did everything right. And I okay. think the biggest key that I was missing in that was I was not, I was showing everybody mm. of what they wanted to see. I was still in that pattern of just being the person I thought everyone wanted me, me to be. So, like, I showed up at this, like, 12-step guru. You know? ah. I did everything, man. 
like I drive everyone around. You're stubborn. There's my face, you know, yeah. and I wasn't really being honest with transference. The, the, the struggle. Transference? Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. noticed when people. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't even think about that. The only time that I've seen that, the, the anomaly where you have the person who's first time going into it, they go head first. And what it is, is it's a complete transference. Yeah. It's like you had switched another drug. Oh yeah. You got, oh, the, yeah. You got, you got yeah. the same Absolutely. same yeah. dopamine from your head release because it pat on the back. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, and oh yeah, and there's people go <laughs> yeah, I see and you, you know you what see those pe- those people you are really them. easy to spot cuz like I can go oh, to a meeting man. and I can spot those old timers in a heartbeat and go, "Yeah, I know what you're doing here." Yeah. So yeah. you're judging. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm yeah. You know what? We're humans. You we bet judge. your sweet, you bet your <laughs> sweet motherfucking ass. I'm <laughs> I will judge the living <laughs> shit. Don't hey, yeah. you know what? The book very specific. The literature very specifically tells me I'm supposed to judge. It says if you are convinced somebody is an alcoholic, referring to one specific book. I don't know what the other one says, but yeah, I get to judge. I get to judge whether or not somebody's an alcoholic or an addict. Yeah. Look it up. It's in working with others. It's in there. Yeah, I'm the one that ultimately makes yeah, the decision on whether or not I'm, I'm satisfied. Yeah. yeah. But you're only, you're only supposed to do is just hand him the book. book. That's it. It's not in group. No judgment in group. All right, we'll get specific a little bit. But if you're referring to like working with others, all it says is like hand him a book. Yeah. No, it says, at one point, yeah, it says, say, you know, it says, leave this book where they could potentially find it. This is a whole nother show. The point being is, the point being is, do I judge people? Yes, I judge oh, the yeah. fuck out of them. Hell yeah, we yeah. do. You, you bet your sweet what? ass wanna, I do. And you know what? Sin. And I'm not afraid, and I'm not afraid of it. Now, I don't judge their actions as far as like, oh, that guy shouldn't be going out with her. This dude should yes, be doing that. Yes, you do. That. No. We all do that. I well, do that. I don't make, I totally do okay. that. Well, you know what, though? Well, that's I, a train wreck where it didn't mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, but when I do that, though, personally, for me, when I do that, there's <laughs> certain consequences that oh, yeah. I have to contend with. Oh, when yeah. it comes to whether or not I'm judging somebody to be an actual, real, dyed-in-the-wool, as the, as the literature describes it, alcoholic or addict, I don't have any negative consequences mm-hmm. as a result of that. What that does right. is it affords me the opportunity to go, that's a person I don't need to work with because I'm an actual alcoholic and an addict. And if I'm doing that, I'm wasting my time with that person instead of actually spending my time with yeah. somebody who is exactly like me. Because that person who's, who I'm like, that guy's not a fucking alcoholic and an addict. He's got 15 years sober or not picking up a drug or whatever, but he's not an addict or an alcoholic. And for me to try to do anything with him, there's going to be a disconnect where I can go get somebody who is an addict or an alcoholic or an alcoholic, whether, whether he's got two days or 20 years, and there's going to be progress in our lives as a result of us God, working I together. So, so I, I mean, yeah, I'll go into a meeting, and it doesn't really take that long. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we when we were talking about gravitating towards each yeah. other and stuff like that, the way that I think of it is like, how does a dog know a dog is another dog? We go smell we dogs smell each other butts and they go mm-hmm. oh okay that's a dog yeah an addict knows an addict knows an addict knows an addict and an alcoholic knows an alcoholic knows an alcoholic and the way that we find that we do this is that when we when we know ourselves then we know others so, so yeah i can judge the shit out of some so my and point there's people that i'm like yeah all this time you ain't shit like yeah i know, I know. my point yeah i'm on a rant is that, yeah, this is is my that ba- yeah this is my rant my point is that you're not actually judging if you look I at it that way what? you're actually evaluating I'm observing, I'm drawing conclusions, yeah. and then I'm putting, uh, right. yeah, I'm drawing a conclusion based on it, and some people call it judgment, whatever, fuck no, you. No, I call it I evaluating it. who's... I don't, I don't mean, no, not fuck you, I'm talking yeah. About, yeah, I mean, people who are like saying, oh, you're being judgmental. Yeah, no. I am, so... You're evaluating yeah. your, your the value of a relationship, that's it, yeah. it's not judgment, you're, it. you're not being judgmental, and that's the whole point of me bringing it up. 
right. was saying that you sounded judgmental, right. but you actually evaluate oh, yeah. what people are and how they can contribute ah, to your life. Right. You're not yeah. saying Absolutely. that guy's not a guy. How like, fuck that guy. No, it's. I'm sure you probably have to do a little bit of that, too, when you're working with the evaluation. family. When you, you listen to the stories yeah. the parents yeah. are telling you, so you've got to kind of help them be like, you know what, your kid actually may not be an alcoholic. They might just be somebody who has, like, a real hard problem and given a sufficient reason. They'll probably stop, like, if you threaten the shit out of them, if they ever get arrested. But then, so yeah. you, you, you the have to make a ju- yeah. to make You have to make a judgment call with the parents, I would imagine. Well, and, and I think, I think it, you know, to that point, though, someone's gotten so far to the point where they're actually talking to me, generally there's a problem problem whether it's you know addiction or not may not always be the answer but can we support the kids in the same ways that we would support someone in substance abuse absolutely so some of the conversations Mm -hmm. still apply all the work still applies because they think that people miss this one big point is that which is what you know we're human beings and if we're not continuing to grow within ourselves and continue our journey and change certain patterns of behaviors and we keep falling into the all the same patterns whether we're in addiction and whether we're in recovery whether we're a parent whether we're a grandparent whether we're a brother or a sister it, it, even if it doesn't relate to substance abuse you know as human beings we still need to kind of grow and change patterns and like have different conversations if you're having the same conversations mm-hmm. and seeing the world in the same ways that you were 10 years ago right well you know what you haven't changed anything like you yeah. shouldn't always see the world the same way you do from 10 years ago sure. you know you grow as a human being and i think like sometimes people just forget that it's not always about substance abuse or dealing ha- or having a loved one in substance abuse. You can still support your your child, whether it's mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's not addiction, and uh, but th- the same rules still apply. I've actually talked to people where I'm like, you know, they're not using drugs, but they still have a lot of that mental health behaviors, oh, yeah. and the same rules still apply. Exactly. The same conversations that you need to have with them, the same really? patterns you need to break needs to be broken. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know that. That ties in with, with, uh, with our addiction being a, uh, a, an it's a illness. Health. It's a mental, mental health. health illness. So, yeah, they may not be active addicts, yeah. but they probably have that condition. They just haven't go- crossed over yeah. into it. So, in, in a sense, you could be, if you catch them at that point, saving them from a lot of, of yeah. years of pain and heartache. I thought, so, I thought JP was going to say, I thought you were going to say that it's a family disease. It, well, it not a mental health thing, but it's a family. Well, thing. Yeah. yeah, it can be, but your your mental you're, health it does is the same thing. Yeah, it does genetic yeah. and all that. But you, your your book's called Dear Parents. Yeah. But what about siblings? Do you have a follow up book for you dear know, dear, he, dear brother I, sister? Dear brother, so sister. I actually play. Yeah, oh, so that's, I like that. There's, you get, we get credit for that. Dear sister though. cousin. Dear sister here's cousin. It, <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. We are in the south. Right. Yeah. Here's the here's the thing is dear uncle dear uncle brother dad cousin. Okay. And Baby the reason Daddy. my first one, and I really decided to focus in on the parents, is more about like, because the parents kind of fall in the caretaker role. Yeah. You know, and because of the caretaker role, the certain patterns are there. Typically, siblings don't always fall into that caretaker role. They're a whole lot better at separating themselves. Sometimes that's not true. Right. Um, but it's like, for me, like, I'm used to working with parents. I had a parent. I know what me and my mom went through. I don't have siblings. Oh, okay. So I have a, I don't understand the sibling relationship. Now, my whole big dream in terms of how the business goes mm-hmm. is I actually have help, people help me that can help me in all of these areas in terms of they're going to help someone with 
a sibling Mm -hmm. and like how to navigate that kind of relationship. But by using the same principles, you know, that I use, but it's just, they have that really understanding of how those dynamics work that I don't understand. We'll talk after the show. Right. Ah, (laughs) I got three brothers. Right. Don't leave me me here with Nick. You could probably be like, be in that mode of helping other siblings on how to deal with their siblings because it's not the same role that parents fall in. You know, it's not the same beliefs. It's not the same. It's just different. And it's like, I don't ever go into something that I don't understand. I'm very Mm -hmm. niche and that's okay because it's like, that's just the world that like I, I knew what helps with me with what my mom did. So you're going from experience and that gives you a lot of credibility. You're also in recovery. That gives you a lot of credibility. How do the parents like, is there ever, I mean, you get the credibility, but with the parents that you're talking to of, of the, the addicts, the the kids Mm -hmm. and addicts, is there, does your, do they see your past as like a credibility or, or have you ever had them to be like, Oh, well you're an addict or, um, no, they actually yeah. really like that part you of it divul- because you it can that? help them. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, hope, well, I don't know. But the stories and like how I how I see that it, it, because I'm not like the parent. That's the thing. This is like, well, do you? Ha-? That's one of the first questions I get. Well, do you have kids? So ah, you know, okay. they automatically assume I don't know what it's like. And I'm like, no. But if you want to know what's going on with your son or daughter, I can help you with that. Yeah. Okay. Because what we're doing is not parenting. So it doesn't matter if I had kids and I understand. Stand parenting because we're not in parenting anymore. So you're a rat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so basically, you know, I'm that rat that says like, this is how this is how you deal with snitches get stitches, yo. That's fine, man. I'll take you on any time. But you know what? At the end of the day, I want to help save your life. You are. So. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And and it's a, that's that also like a fearless like face in it. Like I'm not dead on. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that because you are passionate oh, about. Yeah. I want to say it's not even a crusade. It's just, it's, it's, it's it's like a, it's your calling almost. And it really is. And it's like, you know, it, there's, it has its own set of challenges because I'm dealing with a lot of really scared, you know, people. And I had, I have, I've had to learn how to work with that, but it's, it's, it's just amazing. Like, I, I don't think I would have gotten into this if I wasn't, didn't have some sort of passion because it's hard, you know, it's not easy talking to scared parents you know it's very challenging sometimes they you know get mad and i have to remember that they're not mad at me okay (laughs) right yeah you know they get frustrated but they're not frustrated at me even though they may take it out on me sometimes it's like being in a call center (laughs) when when i call because like my phone's jacked up and i'm like and i have to say look I know you didn't do this. Right, yes. yeah. I'm yeah. not upset with right. you. I'm just I'm upset just at the situation. I did that yeah. the other day to some hotel guy. You okay. know, they yeah. had doubled oh. um, my payment. And so, like, I call him up and I'm like, I'm hey, not mad at you. Oh. But I'm going to tell you, you whispered my <laughs> I'm not mad at you, but you better fix it. It needs so you, to get fixed. Right. <laughs> and, so, you, and you deal with the, dealing with the parents and you deal with a specific, a unique dynamic. Do you find, uh, have you found, what it, you know, there's there's stigmas out there that like, mm-hmm. uh, there's, that there's stigmas that there's like a disconnect, a human disconnect with people when they reach like certain levels of income and stuff because. Corporate America. Yeah, corporate America because mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, when you're CEO, CEO, CFOs. Um, that based on like who you're supposed to be in those positions, it kind of changes your character. Do you, do you find that, that there, have you ever experienced like any type of human Mm -hmm. disconnect between like the parents and their children 
do they look at it more like this is a business situation? Do they bring like the way that they think about how they operate in their job into the yep. relationship with their children? It's like, okay, yep. this is a business thing. We can handle it like this. And that's an exaggeration. We talked about this upstairs briefly. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So basically the question is, is like, how do you deal with the human disconnect that a lot of people tend to have in corporate America uh, when talking to their children? Hey. We call it the rubble. Hey. We call it the rubble rubble effect. Hey, hey. hey what? Hey, do you, he said the question we, is he really ask, upset him. We ask the questions. Hold on, let me get his M and M's. Get his brown M and M's. See the look I'm He's getting, getting right now. upset. I mean, I can come back and run the cameras. No, I'm, to- I'm totally fucking with him right now. But look at his face. He's, he's so, so mad fucking at mad at me. He's no, he's so trying to figure it out. Yeah. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get asked like, you. After, do, I'm gonna get asked you after the show. Do I pick up this mic and like yell at him, or do I just let this? Oh my god, he's gonna throw something so, at me. He's so right. fucking pissed. You know I mess. So you talked about. So we talked about mom face earlier, right? Well, you know, we have someone hiding under the table right now. So I think he has successfully <laughs> demonstrated <on>. mom face. <laughs> did, you, did you see that? He eyeballed the shit out of me. Oh, He's, man. He's no. Daggers. <laughs> Nick knows that. He knows how to Well, here's it. And, and this is, this is well, why I'm chosen. Yeah. Yeah, no, you put it's the good. question much better than I did. Right. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, and, Hands down, like true. we're getting a board of, oh of rating God. our favorite guests, and I know that's not right, but <laughs> right, you why are favorite. <laughs> but why do favorite guests get rated on how bad they fucking beat up on Scott? I don't understand. Because oh, that's what the show's rated on. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Anyway, you were saying this about is my show, guys. This is my show. This is my I'm show. Not, do you need somebody to come work for your business? Because like this isn't working out for I got me. Here. Back. It doesn't work for me here. Yeah. And she's not going to take you. She's going to hire me. It is your show, Scott. We all appreciate what you do, and we love you. And without you, we wouldn't have this opportunity. Mm. Oh, well, thank you. Nice attempt. And it's not actually it's not my show. It's your show. You know, hey, it's, it's an hour and twenty. It's, it, it's broken. Well, yeah, broken home is is. The umbrella. Property wise. No, it's not Scott Rambo show. It's not JP. It's not the JP and Scott show. Really, really what it is is it's everybody's show. And, and really for an hour and 20 minutes, it's your show yeah. to talk about whatever you want. And you but know, right now, obviously, we lead you in directions. We're talking right. about the disconnect, disconnect. Yeah. of corporate America. Get there, man. I like leading it. Get there. You know, and here's what ends up happening with um, the, the parents that it, people revert back to what they know. Mm hmm. And it's as simple as that. So if someone knows business really well and they come across a situation that they don't understand or they don't know, sure. they're going to automatically want to fall back into what it is that they do know. They're like, well, I don't know this, so I'm going to fall back into what I do know, which is where my specialties come in, where it's like kind of bridging that gap of like these difficult that are they're used uh, let's just be clear they're really used to kind of getting their ways money you know if there's a problem money can usually solve corporate america yeah just throwing money we're at just it. throwing yeah. money at things and usually it solves that but not in this world and this is a very insane complicated world that brings people into because it's life or death right it Absolutely. drives people into survival mode and it, into our instincts of, of how we operate into survival mode, which usually causes a desperation. So it's like, 
you know, when you have someone like a CEO or a CFO or someone like a senior executives and that disconnect starts happening, mm-hmm. you know, they go into their own survival modes <laughs> and they start acting in desperation. They double down a lot of times on things that simply just don't work, but it's what they know. It's all they know because they're really smart people they're really capable people so they think that they can logic their way through Mm. all of this stuff and but this is this is kind of insanity so they can't logic their way through this stuff because it's not logical you actually have to know how the world works in order to make it like the substance abuse the mental health oh right and so what i'm if i'm tracking right here you're saying that that with our in our substance abuse world and our addiction mm-hmm. we go primal and survival right yeah, but yeah. then also the parents are finding themselves in the same type of mm-hmm. situation yeah. in their in their world yeah um it operates very differently which <laughs> operates differently but it's also uh, from what i'm grasping it operates very differently but it also goes to survival mode as well oh yeah for their children which is a primal yes. thing protect your child but theirs is Priming. their initial reaction is throwing money at it or whatever they're used it's to whatever doing they're used to do they, yeah. they double down on some of the same things that they did so um the same t- like parenting tactics they did when they were five ten and it's like oh, yeah. you know parents oh, okay. really do right. know their kids better than anyone else okay. mm-hmm. and so like they start trying to parent their kid through this and oh, but they use work. the same tactics that that they use when their kids were like five or ten years old mm-hmm. and then then you know conceptually their kids still act like a five or ten year old right yeah we do revert okay. yeah you, you know yeah. so it's like but but our parents kind of come in and and yeah. you know when all the patterns of how you behaved when you were five years old yeah if it's similar to how the parents are behaving when you were five years old we're all reverting back into like a five-year-old. Yeah. You know, like... But yeah, both parties. Both yeah. parties. We're all reverting back into like trying to help a five-year-old instead of trying to help a 25-year-old mm-hmm. that has substance abuse like, What are you trying to help when you say we're trying to help? What is it you're trying to... Like, what's the ultimate goal? What are you trying to help the parents? What point are you trying to get them to? Is there like a... Like, I mean, you talked about all these specific mm-hmm. things that you work with with the parents. Mm-hmm. What is the... If you know you can get the parents to this place then you've done your job i think i I think the best place i can say for them is almost like freedom honestly for them because if if the parents are experiencing some sort of like freedom and not getting sucked into the insanity of the world and their decisions are the same decisions they make as long as they're being desperate so it's almost the same principle i'll just say like you know uh what like alanon teaches is that whole like you can't really control them and stuff and you know i kept trying to send parents to alanon believe mm-hmm. it or not sure. i love alanon i, I believe too, in alanon like i it? go to alanon I've been to <laughs> i don't even know i, I don't even know what should be saying i don't know if we should either no it's Sorry. fine it's fine <laughs> yeah, whatever fuck those guys but there's um, a yeah no, 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 don't say that don't say no, that no, no, no. that group i, that I that group, yeah. okay sorry no, I, the thing I, is, I, I shouldn't I, say that i will tell you this like i've been like i made the mistake my first alanon meeting like introducing myself as the alcoholic addict oh no don't do that yeah like there was definitely some comments yeah i was the right there's one of them 
Well, we'll just we'll go. Oh, they judged you. Yeah, well, right. they judged you. Well, we'll say like the group, <laughs> the support group that family members have. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. There you like go. instead okay. of saying it's that, so we'll say it's totally, it's totally too late. But, but no, we'll, it we'll, is a good program. We'll, we'll bring it back from in. this point. Yeah. From this point on, we'll bring it back in and say, you know, the family support group. Um, right. You know, and and but if they're not willing to go. If the families aren't willing to go to something like that, which, right. you know, there's no blanket solutions. They don't no. have to be willing to go. But it's like, what are we doing? You know, so it's kind of yeah. like giving that like separation for them that, that goes off some of the principles. But if you have someone that's really focused, mm-hmm. you can actually get further a lot quicker. Well, um, that that you, kind of applies know, to a lot of things exactly. too. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're working with someone that's one on one, you know, something that may take you five, ten years to learn in a family support that's a little not as focused as mm-hmm. is what I've developed, mm-hmm. then you know I can do the same in like two or three months. So it's freedom. That's it's really a, getting right. into that point of yeah, that's a it, lot of condensed. That's a, awesome, right? So it's like you know, ten years condensed into three months. It's okay. like, that's, a lo- that's a lot of time saving, Jeez. right? I now tried I'm to do saying, that with drugs. Now you I'm not say, saying no. the parents can be, are free. I'm right. just no. saying that I can teach them the same things in a very condensed amount of time. The freedom that they experience is is up to them, like how quickly they really want to get there. And, and it then, sounds it sounds like the by saving them that time 10 years but some parents may not have 10 years with their kid usually. but see that's just it is it's like we don't they often might just have, have 10 time. months it's like hey, can you imagine just keep doing the same things for yeah. the next 10 years but people sometimes do and you're not even guaranteed that time no. you're not, you're that's not guaranteed the, that's, that time yeah like you're saving them they, they may not have 10 years left they just they may not have 10 years you left. know that's and just it is yeah. like are the parents sitting here are they waiting to die or are they truly living? And it's right. like when they're living their life, and that was the biggest moment for me, and we'll go back to what got me ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wow, I thanks know, for doing that. Ooh, yeah. Because this is the point <laughs> that I got ready was when my mom let me go. Really? When my mom had her own freedom, when my mom decided that she was going to learn how to live without me, mm-hmm. and she was going to go live her best life. And it wasn't a, 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 I just didn't think she had it in her, to be honest. And then she started showing up for herself in that way. She told me, I'm going to, I'm going to learn to live without you. You may be mad at me about some things and we can work through that, but, but I'm still going to go live, live my best life. That's inspiring. But it took her three years of deep self-awareness training to get to that point where she could say that and mean it and then show up and do things differently yeah. and it was the change in our dynamics from that point is what got me into my long-term recovery wow. now did you did you go in your did you go to a program to start that long-term recovery or did you just start oh, going I, to I went into rehab okay oh yeah did you check yourself in that was yeah. a point so, so so she sat down yeah. and she goes i will be willing if you're willing um and Good. i bet you know what at that point i i i i knew i was gonna die but mm-hmm. I thought I was like I didn't actually go. I didn't think rehab was in my cards. Okay. I didn't think that was. I an didn't option. either. But you had tried yeah. it before. Yeah, I know. But she I didn't was think so this far. Time. I was so far gone this time. Yeah. That I just thought I was gonna die. Yeah, me too. And yeah. it wasn't until my mom said she. That was a whole long, longer story. But you know, she, she kind of came in and and everything. 
came to light in a day. <laughs> so everything that had been going on for months yeah. finally came to the surface in a day with all the parents and yeah. her and my ex-husband's parents and all this stuff, all the truth surfaced. And my mom said she she was going to be willing, but she also sat me down and said th- this was it. But mm. that next, like the pattern started changing after that. That's what kept me going in my recovery wow. was because she showed up differently and I knew I had to get it together. <laughs> so, uh, wow. So with that being said, if you're looking at like you're, you're, you're getting ready, like, okay, I'm done. I'm ready. I, mm. I, I, I don't want to use anymore. I don't want to drink anymore or whatever it was that you told yourself when you were, when you were finally ready. Um, imagining that like, uh, um, how important was your mom getting into that place where she kind of let you go? found some sense of freedom in that how important of an ingredient was that if if at all in you coming to the conclusion okay i need help i want to be done when you being ready or did it even play any part well i so i i will say you can never know what the future was based on a different set of circumstances i couldn't tell you but i will say that for me and what i suspect and think like I, I think that if that day had not happened, I probably would be dead. Okay. So like I would say that that was a pretty big <laughs> point. Uh, it was a, it's a huge, big ingredient. It was a big ingredient. It was yeah. a huge turning point for probably us. Probably like a main ingredient. I like. mean, it was a it was a full it was a full one eighty yeah. like in a day. That's awesome. Know? And and but it took a long time getting there. It sure. wasn't just like she, yeah. it was the energy she had made empty threats before, okay. you know, so it was it wasn't just what she said. It was when she showed up for what she said, when she held that like following energy through and she yeah. followed through with certain things and things changed. I changed. Is she that something, changed. Is that something you guide parents to get to that point mm-hmm. as well to kind of model your experience and what helped you? Yes, that is the whole point is to model that experience is, is that, you know, when she changed, I had to change. Okay. When I had to change, I had to change for the better. Speaking well, of change, hopefully. you know, <laughs> like it interrupted whatever like messed up thing was going on in my brain. The dynamics yeah. in the brain, it interrupted the patterns, it interrupted the whatever was happening long enough for me to get some clarity for myself. So that change in the parents is huge formula because it can really, and like I said, that can really inspire people or they're, you know, the kids can always do it in spite of them. It's not, you know, the question is, is do you want to be the inspiration or do you want your kids to have to do it in spite of you? So you want the the parent, the parent can be a catalyst to the child. They can absolutely be a catalyst. You know, you mentioned, you you kept using, there at the beginning, you were using the word change a lot. So Mm -hmm. say I'm a parent and I'm not familiar with you. I've not read the book. Maybe, Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm a parent of a child that I suspect maybe an alcoholic or an addict, and I just happened to come across um, this cast in some way, yeah. shape, or form, or somebody mentions it and goes, you know what, you you might want to listen to this. Maybe <laughs> maybe one of our you know people that actually do listen to us has uh, uh, some friends or whatever, however they yeah. get this stuff. So they've never mm-hmm. read the book, they never met you, they haven't gone through the course. Maybe they're not even, let's say they're not even in the demographic that you typically work with. Right. Um, what would you say is the first what would you tell people is the first thing as a parent with their kids? This is probably the first challenge or first opportunity or first thing that needs to change. And from there, everything else can be built on that. What would be the first thing they would have to, to do? What would be your advice or suggestion based on your experience? 
Um, the, honestly, whether it's me or not, they they just need to go and find someone to get help. I mean, that is the biggest change. Ask for help. Would that Ask be the first help. change? I mean, realize you can't do it yourself. Realize you can't. Like, I, I can't ever say that, like, it's really hard to work on yourself by yourself. Right. Like, that's the bottom line. We learned that as addicts and alcohol. But it's the same with anyone. I mean, uh, like, anyone that has ever gone through any sort of transformational change, any change whatsoever, had a third party involved in some way, shape, or form. No one ever just woke up and said, I'm just going to go change, and then did not have anyone there to, to guide it. They had a therapist. They had sure. someone there to help guide them into that change because we're going to fall back into our same patterns. I mean, that's your, just the bottom line. How did your mom get to that point where she was able to let you go? Did she ask for help from somebody? She was she was going through a s- corporate leadership self-awareness training. That, okay. Yeah, that, you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. So that's what she asked for, or did it? She did, did it, not intentionally ask for help. Oh, She did not. She went kicking and screaming. (laughs) I and she quit sometimes. Oh wow! She just straight out said, "I'm not doing this crap." Uh, Okay. Yeah, it was messy. Did you get that? Self awareness is messy, by the way. People throw like, "Oh Oh my god, no!" Enlightenment comes through a rough road. It's messy. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's (laughs) like that's the thing. Is it's like. You know, whether it's me or anybody, like, you can't really do this. I did not change by myself. Absolutely not. I had a lot of people help me along the way. I still have people help me along the way. Not even just my sponsor. I have other people, you know, in my life that help me in certain areas, you know. Like, I can't see my own stuff. (laughs) That's the bottom line. I can't see when I'm getting in my way. I can't see my blocks. I can't see my denial. I can't see my stuff so yeah. it's you know that's that's the biggest thing it's just like you can't do this by yourself so like so well let me see this question then so with my family um <clears throat> i did a very I, I i put a lot of distance between myself and my let's call it my blood family mm-hmm. you know, father brothers and sisters mm-hmm. cousins aunt and uncles um my mom before she passed away i put a lot of distance so i could kind of like live my own life mm-hmm. and, and, and do my own thing um in doing that, um, so my family, like, it wasn't crucial in, in, in that point getting me to like that. If you've got parents that, you know, I don't really know if my parents were that aware or whatnot like that, but let's say hypothetically my parents became aware of the fact that something is definitely up, but there's such huge distance. How do you get parents to be able to – have you ever been approached by parents like, yeah, my kid, I think they got a problem, but they're like literally their whole life and everything is way over here. Um, how can, can you relate to that? Like, were your parents intimately involved? Like, it, like how would a parent? How would you be like if we a parent comes? You go states. like, yeah. you're like my kid lives in this whole other state, but his whole life yeah. seems to be going to shit, you know. Yeah. And something's going on. How, but we we've, we've been we haven't been close in right. years. So yeah. how do you get those parents to go back into you know stepping back in and maybe taking and a closer look and being able to be in a position that, that uniquely they could be like, okay, you might want to get help. Usually I work through uh, in situations like that. It's more of like, I mean, if you don't have any sort of communication with your kid or, limited, or whatever, maybe limited. Limited, limited. I mean, yeah. it, it's like, you know, that's a little bit, you know, tougher, but even still it's like, 
we go through the communication. Mm. We start changing some of the ways that maybe you're talking. Um, and I mean, I think that's a huge thing. And it's like when the communication starts changing, they may feel a little bit more safe to talk to you. Okay. You know, and it's like I think that's important is is even if they're higher or whatever is allowing them to feel safe so that like you believe in them and you're not just nagging them. You're not they don't feel judged by you. They don't feel like you don't believe in them or like you're going to shame them every step of the way because you don't agree with their lifestyles. Mm -hmm. When you do that, it kind of just pushes it pushes your kid away, okay. which may be where the distance came from to begin with is because you just don't really want to hear it from them. Yeah, we actually had that that prime example in my family dynamic yeah. with my mom. My mom just never, I mean, my dad was the understanding one. And when he right. passed, that's that was part of the it's thing where, where it escalated for me right. was like, the only person in the family that really understood what I was going through through the, the he was in Vietnam. So the military aspect and, and, and emotional stuff, he and I had very similar things. So when he was gone, I felt completely dis get disconnected from the family. And like I said before, like my mom had that cloud of denial. My brother saw right through it because he right. used to party back in the day. And right. But what changed for him, you, like you said, no one changes alone. Right. My brother, growing up the whole time, he was the black sheep. He was never part, really just part of the family dynamic. When he got there, there was a fight and all that stuff. And he had, uh, he and his wife, my sister-in-law, never planned on having kids. But when they did, my niece, mm -hmm. I love my niece to death, my brother had like that, that self-awareness, that enlightenment and completely flipped and now he's worried about others and that's why he was such a big right. role in getting my mom to pull the veil up mm. of of denial and yeah. when i got arrested she she was just done like she didn't know what to do she just broke but justin my i don't say his name but my brother justin just really picked up the reins right. and so they're big on my change, but my brother's change, he would not have been that person without having my niece. Right. And I'm not saying you should have a kid to change yourself, but, right. <laughs> you know, know that, that, that really just that <clears throat> example you use is really just right there. So, like, yeah. You saw me kind of glaze over for a minute when you were saying that. I wasn't being <laughs> yeah. rude. I was no, just like, you're oh, like, oh, my God. No. That's, you know, but that's where yeah. a lot of times that distance even gets yeah. created is through like a lack of understanding and the communication. And sometimes it's just like, you know, parents think that, and I'll just say this. So, you know, tough love, I think we have a really misunderstanding of what that means, especially when it comes to substance abuse, mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of like, I always say that tough love, it doesn't mean that you have to be tough on them. Okay. It just right. means that you may have to make decisions that are tough to do. Like what but your mom you did. Could, yes. But yeah. it, it's like the communication, you know, like it's a big piece and it's like you don't have to be tough on them. And I think sometimes parents forget that. Yeah. No, that seems that seems it's easy to do because even I don't have kids. I, I'm a great uncle. But right. when I hear tough love, I think, wow, tough love, kid, you know, tough shit. Yeah. But it's that communication straight. is 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 key. It's great yeah. to hear that. Yeah. that that someone else really just verbalize it. You know, yeah. so that's 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 awesome. So we talked we talked a little bit about like that corporate disconnect. <laughs> that was kind of creepy, Scott. <laughs> you meant so so. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked about. <laughs> here we go. 
ends. See, it never ends. <laughs> That's good. It's Love's every, got. Every, every opportunity. <laughs> no. You'd mentioned a corporate, we talked about the corporate disconnect mm-hmm. and getting parents to reconnect in human nature. How the hell do you do this job and not get emotionally, like to watch these parents going through this stuff? I mean, you get a certain perspective, obviously, being in the mm-hmm. program and seeing a newcomer. In. How the hell do you do this and not like relive, like not find things that remind you of stuff that you're, you went through with your mom? Like, how, how are you able to do this job and not have it just fucking wreck you inside emotionally? Mm-hmm. Like when you go home, you think about, oh my God, those poor parents and that poor kid, that poor situation. Um, I think. Can you do that? So to say that I don't get emotional, I think I wouldn't be in in this if I if I didn't care. Well, yeah. But it's like, yes, I both my mom and I. So we have our separate journeys, and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of healing. She's sure. done a lot of healing, and then we've also actually really done a great job of being able to heal our relationship. So the things that we went through, it doesn't wreck me. It doesn't bring up any sort of trauma because I've healed a lot of the trauma from things that were created, and that I did feel like there was an emotional wreckage or or whatever it's like no i mean i had to kind of heal before i could get into something like this and so i don't i do not take things on in in sort of a negative or bring my stuff up in a traumatic way because i've healed that part and and not to say i don't want to say that it's over but i'm just saying there's an ongoing journey of healing that i go through that allows me to continue moving on that i don't take on their stuff and it doesn't wreck me it allows me to support and be of service to them and help them because it's not it's it's not bringing up my trauma it's just helping them through theirs i don't have to go relive anything because i've already been there i've already done it doesn't impact me anymore the only reason why i ask that is because like sometimes um you know like i would imagine there's like a certain aspect of like ptsd um, associated with like that kind of stuff. So uh, you go through these traumatic situations with your parents and everything, and you have to go experience it with somebody else. And, and there's the potential of reliving that. Um, and that, and that can be tough to deal with, especially in a learn yeah. how to emotionally disconnect and not allow it to, to come back and, and bother you when you're watching literally another family's absolutely come apart at the seams because somebody's wrapped up in addiction, wrapped up in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure not all of them are success stories. No. And does it get painful? You know, I got, I kind of really started getting uh, very deep into this and really wanted to do this and inspired me because I was losing a lot of my own friends, you know? Yeah. And so grief is something that is very much a part of this journey, but it's not even about you know, um, necessarily about the parents. So I, I trust myself to be able to handle the emotions today and be willing to be vulnerable through that and know how to deal with that and not allow it to consume me. Do I get emotional? Yes. Do I allow it to consume me? Okay. No, because it's like, I have to remember what it is that I'm trying to do here. Sure. And it's it's more of like it's not about me, it's about them. Is right. it are they all success stories? They could never be. Right. You know, it do I help? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I always okay. just remember that. Good. So So it sounds like you do do it. You do you do have help. You, you do do. You do do. Right, I do too, you know. Do you, you do do. Hey. do, do. Yeah. Good job, JP. That was the first one. <laughs> 
That was the first one. That was the I made first it an hour and a half. I was like, doo doo, I can't <laughs> stop it. So, yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm making progress. Jennifer, like, first off, I mean, thank you so much for coming in and talking Absolutely. about the book. Thank it's amazing. Um, and hey, you did do? watch the first cast, right? Yeah, I, I listened to it. So okay. you listen. Okay. So you you do know that we have three questions at the end, right? I didn't listen to the end. <laughs> oh, you know, she's she is unprepared. That's gotcha. good. Dude, gotcha. I know. Look, I listened to like a whole like hour of it. So we have three questions that we ask <laughs> yeah. every guest. Yeah. All right. Now this is <laughs> no, no this this is actually better okay, cool. because it gives cool. it gives us a candid answer yeah. that you didn't you have scripted or anything. Yeah. Ooh. So nervous. I wish yeah, I listened you. all the way to the end. Yeah. So it's here, right. it's gonna be okay. Here yeah. at, at at the Just for Today cast on Broken Helm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Broken Helm Network. Yeah. We, uh, obviously, again, thank you. But we have three questions. The first, I'm gonna ask the first, and then you know we'll alternate. So we are well, all a part of it. Yeah, we'll okay. get it. The yeah. first one is. And I'm going to explain it. It's it's you have 24 hours mm-hmm. left to live. Mm-hmm. You know it. You can't tell anybody else about it that you have 24 hours. Like to say, oh, I only have that. You can't like guilt them into something because it's 24 hours. And you can't right. tell you can't tell them you've only got one day. Like you're it's, right. It's like you get one day. So tomorrow's not a guarantee. Man, it's got like I do. I just got totally emotional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, so well, hence hence the name of the show right. just for today. You only get one day. Tomorrow's okay. not a guarantee. So there's three there's three questions on what you would do on that. But first mm-hmm. off, where would you go on that last day? If I had one day left to live, yeah. yeah. Where, where's the one place you would like to go? Yeah. I you know I this sounds so cheesy and like it's like a almost like a scripted answer. Okay. But I I think I would. I, I think I may like I'm not allowed to tell anyone. You can't tell no, anybody. No, you can. You, you're the only one that knows this is your last right. day. Right. You can't tell them. You can't say, "Hey, it's my last day. Come with me." Hey, here. come with me. Yeah. Come spend but time with me because I'm gonna. I'm gonna yeah. Wake up I just can't tell. That's them. later. That's, that's later. Yeah. Just yeah. where yeah. would yeah. Well, you go? We'll, we'll give, okay. it, give yeah. it the three questions. So okay. The, the three questions are: Where would you go? Who would you spend time with? And then the last thing is, or who would you see? The last one is: What would you say to the world? Like your your parting your parting words. thing, like any last words type kind of thing, but like you get to tell everybody okay. in the world. So where would you go? I I, I it's a two part. So the, I'll answer the first two questions because mm-hmm. there's no other way I could yeah. answer. But sure. okay. the truth is, is like yeah. I think I would get my family together and mm-hmm. go down to Texas and go hang out at my granddad's okay. with the whole family. Good answer. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's yeah. the truth. That's, yeah. Those are the best parts of my life when I do that. That's awesome. I would not want, and I would, it would be really hard not to tell them, but yeah, that would be my last, my, my best last day. Yeah. Well, I think you could, okay. you could, you could tell them once they're there, <laughs> right? but we're saying you can't be like, Hey, it's my last day ever. We always try to find an excuse to all get together anyway. Good. Good. And, sure. and so like, that's what I would want to do. Okay. Think, yeah. And obviously mom and would be there. Yeah. yeah. Mom would be there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but okay. yeah, I would want to get every, like, I don't want to get my whole family together yeah. and like okay. hang out. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else you'd want to see? Or just the family? I mean, I would say like all my friends, sure. But sure. then you mean... Okay. <laughs> so we could come to Texas <laughs> too? That right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Would That's you call us? Would you call us and say thanks for having me on the show or something? Right. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell us. I wouldn't be able to tell us the last day, but it would be like, right. hey, that's a gift. Let's, let's I guess we would know. If you ever invite us to Texas, we'd be like, are you dying? Yeah. Oh shit, it's happening. It's happening. So what would your, what would your, your the words you you leave the world... Obviously, yeah. you've left them a, a book of words um, already yeah. Yeah. that are immortal, but 
what Man, this your is, Gandhi words, you know? I might have to get this printed on a t-shirt, I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, if I had any words left like that I would want to put into this world, it would say to heal your shit. Heal your shit. Heal your shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you better you better work on trademarking that. Yeah. I'm gonna take it. What is that? What does that mean? Like heal your shit, man. Like yeah. whatever, whatever. Like ha- like I think no matter whether it's mental health, substance abuse, okay. we have experiences in life that leave us um, uh, in destructive patterns. Okay, and it leads us into not being our best selves. And when you show up in this world and you're your best self and you're really, truly living your life, it comes from a place of really healing your shit, basically. And it's like people need to live their best lives because I see a large majority of this world basically waiting to die. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you're healing your shit, you're okay. living your life, man. <laughs> yeah, you're living your best life, and like people deserve to live their best lives. We did not be put on this earth to be miserable and to have to suffer, but you got to heal. Yeah, I'll take that one. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> right. That's good. Reference. I'm gonna put that on a, right. on a t-shirt. Heal, no, your shit, like heal your shit, man. Heal your shit. Heal your shit. TM. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's a that's a Jen, Jennifer Manili trademark. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I just want to get that, that first put, out here. I gotta see I the got paperwork. It on recording. Right. I gotta see the paperwork. We're gonna get it on my cell phone. <laughs> and like, heal your shit. Yeah, show everybody your phone. That's cool. Like you were showing us that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Check out the phone. Where's uh, the where's the yeah? Camera? How your so camera's right there. Yeah. Oh, this is my camera. Yeah, so this is my this is my phone. Yeah. So it's people totally can cool. get my you know free ebook on like a website. Yeah. How do we? Yeah. How do we get? Oh. If if somebody wants to get. So Jennifer, no, no, no. You by your face. It, like, at the, at the yeah, right oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. there That's great. Oh my God, that was so, a Bob Barker moment. So I, you actually gave me a copy of your book when, when we first met. If mm-hmm. if I want to get a copy of the book, if I want to get a hold of you and use your services, if I want to get a copy of the book and pass it on to somebody, if I need to get a hold of you in some way, shape, or form, or have somebody get a hold of you, how do we do that? Um, I mean, obviously they can get a hold of us at the show. Right. They can email us at uh, at just for today with right. the number four. It's just for today cast at gmail.com or they can get a hold of uh, us through Broken Helm as well. Um, how, how do we do that? I mean, it's easy to flip right. the back we'll of the book. Right. No, no, no. So yeah. I, ha- I do we'll, have a website. Yeah, and we'll put, that, we'll go, put that in there yeah, and stuff. But you can go to in case somebody's actually yeah. listening to the show in their car, they're not actually <laughs> watching the show. They're not going to see the slide that has your contact information. Right, exactly. So why don't you tell us how, so tell my, us how they can do my that. My website is maneeliconsulting.com. Okay. M A N E E L Y consulting.com. Okay. <laughs> um, if you want to get a free copy of the ebook of, of my book, mm-hmm. um, you can go to strategiesforaddiction.com. All right. Strategiesforaddiction.com mm-hmm. or Manili, M A N E E L Y L Y consulting.com. Consulting.com. Yeah. You can say it. I have, not some, spell I have it. a lot of free. You, you talked about like people that may not always be able to afford my services. Man, I put so much free stuff out there. 
Really? Oh, yeah. You, I have put so much free content out Good. there. Good. Oh, yeah. So I have a little thing. I have a little uh, survival guide that I've kind of put together That's for cool. people. Um, so they can, you know, they can sign up and get the survival guide. And every week they'll get like little tidbits on cool. like different strategies and different things they can focus on. Oh, so do. it's it's like weekly. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. cool. Yes, yeah, totally right. free. Cause it's like, man, I just want I just want people to get help, man. Cool. That's <laughs> it. Think, Heal your shit. Heal, Heal your, your shit. shit. Heal <laughs> your shit. And you know when you coming on the show, I'm really I'm really glad. This I'm is good. Gl- I'm really glad I had that day off work and, right? I, and I found that meeting. I'm really glad I met you in that parking lot. Right. <laughs> it's like fate. Yeah, I am. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Right? I am really glad that I met you. I'm glad Me that too. we spent the yeah. time talking in the parking lot. Yeah, um, it was a good day. I think yeah. I think you being here. I think, I think I it's big for, for both of us, all of us, really here. That yeah, like, you've you've done this a great job of being able to. Uh, being able to help people at least take a look at hey you got some shit that needs to be healed and it's your family and yeah it's yourselves as parents and it's just ulti- as human beings and then ultimately yeah. your kid yeah. yeah 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 you know we're human beings mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah be we- fucking human be fucking human. Yeah, that's my word. Get help. Yeah, that's my day. <laughs> heal your shit. And on yeah. my day, you're <laughs> doing shit. Be fucking human. Yeah. Be fucking human and heal your shit. Heal your shit. shit. Heal your shit. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> say it with like a little like, heal your shit. Heal your Man. shit. <laughs> but uh, we've uh, had a great guest today. We had yeah. a great guest last week. We got a couple uh, guests lined yeah, up. Yeah, we got some guests lined What's up. What's the next stuff? episode really looking like? Speaking, speaking of like healing your shit. Um, yeah, the next the next guest, uh, and you'll have to check out that show and oh, watch yeah. it into it. Or listen to it in its entirety. Yeah. yeah, so you can. I downloaded uh, it on my phone. So like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and if, and if somebody's just catching this one, they should check out the one that we did with with Andy Owen. Uh, yeah. He was our guest last week, and he did an awesome, just an amazing job. Andy's a great guy. Eli so, did amazing the yeah, week before. Eli the week before the one that you listened to, and, and the gentleman mm-hmm. we've got lined up uh, on our next episode, oh, is, uh, his name is Garrett. And Garrett is also a buddy of mine, and he's going to talk about how he's been able to heal from. Uh, a past that includes a lot of incarceration, mm. um, a lot of legal situations. Um, so, it's important. In a, yeah. In it's addition huge. to, in addition to his road of recovery with uh, substance abuse, he also has a challenge that he brings that he has to face. And, and Garrett's done an amazing. Garrett's an amazing guy. And one thing that I've witnessed is he does not let the fact that he has a record hold him back. Good. So he's going to come on the show and he's going to share with us exactly how he's been able to heal and recover and he's going to share some of that experience and hope and strength with with other people that may just be and they might be addicts or alcoholics or they may just be somebody who you know maybe white collar white collar crime or something like that where no it wasn't over drugs but i have a big record and it's a hindrance and garrett is a shining example of how to live life healed from those things um so yeah so he's going to join us next time (laughs) yeah real quick what did you what did you listen to the show on like when you said you downloaded on your phone Hmm. it was the um the, the, it was an app. SoundCloud or, yeah. or SoundCloud Spotify? App? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you, are it's you on Spotify? It's available on Spotify? It's available on all of them. Yeah, 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 we're available that's so on much Spotify. Better. All right. I wish I had known that. Well, now you yeah, know. we're on Spotify. Yeah, so guess what? We're on <laughs> iTunes. Gonna go we're going to be on, on iTunes in a week. Yep. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. YouTube, yeah. iTunes, Spotify. Yeah. yeah. iTunes well, I'll is in about a week. I'm going to find it on Spotify to make sure I can... We we had to Listen. we couldn't go on Pornhub even though Scott wanted oh, us to. Yeah, <laughs> come on, man, we got family. Well, not today. I go on Pornhub, but maybe tomorrow. <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I just say that out loud. Oh my God. Jennifer's the best. <laughs> <laughs> You are the best. Right? I mean, I definitely listen then. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I guess we got to get the cameras tuned for something yeah. else after the show here. A little more wide angle over there. Yeah. Shiny. That's why you wear a hat, right? So you don't go blind the camera. Yeah. Actually, he's got the natural, um, natural like covering. Eli really Eli. blinded the no. camera. Yeah, Eli blinded the camera. Yeah, there's filters you can add. You can add filters. I and think stuff like he that does makeup it. before I get here. Oh, yeah. And on that note, thank okay. you for joining us yeah. on yeah. Just for Today Cast with thank Broken Helm. Yeah, it's right. with Broken Helm. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, this Jennifer. is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Being here. Thanks. Great.